James chapter number 4, verse number 17. Uh, if you remember, this has been our uh, springboard. And it says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And uh, so based on that thought, my, my heart has been over the last several months to tell you, to inform you what sin is. And there's a lot of folks that they will, they'll hold to the Old Testament law and uh, they will hold to those Ten Commandments and they'll say, well, if God didn't put it in the form of thou shalt not, then it's not sin. Well, I beg to differ. Uh, God deals with many other things throughout Scripture and uh, so we're going to be dealing with several things uh, over the next several weeks and possibly into months here in Romans chapter number 1. Once we get done with Romans, we will go to Galatians, and when we get done with Galatians, we will go to the book of 1 Timothy. And uh, so we've got plenty to uncover, and uh, so let's read our text again in James chapter number 4, verse number 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin." Now, over in the book of Romans, chapter number 1, the week before last, we started reading in verse number 16 and read down through the end of the chapter. Uh, Tonight, I do not want to do that, but I do want to pick up reading verse number 28. Uh, It says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, that word convenient, it's not convenient to the world, uh, it, or to the Lord, rather. Uh, it is convenient to the world. It's convenient to the flesh. And so, verse 29, they are now being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, um, uh, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, adventurers of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and unmerciful. Now, we'll just kind of nip it all up in a, in a bud here in verse number 32. Who, knowing the judgment, uh, these that were in verse 28, they were given over. It says, they knew the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, I need to just, before we ever get too far in this, when you see the word commit in your King James Bible, it generally carries a weight of continuing in. And so, it says, they which commit such things are worthy of death. Uh, I don't believe that that is a one and done thing. You sin once and God says, well, you're dying, you're going to hell. I don't believe that. Uh, I believe that that is, uh, if you look in verse 24 and you look in verse 26, finally in verse number 28, God gives them up uh, twice and then God gives them over. He shows them grace. He shows them grace. And finally, God says, that's enough. I'm turning you over to a reprobate mind. And so uh, they are continuing in sin. They've adopted this as their norm. And so uh, I just want to kind of clarify that there in verse 32. So up to this point, there are uh, three sins in this chapter 
that are also in First Corinthians. Last, uh, the week before last, uh, we read those off to you. We discussed those at length, and those were unrighteousness here in verse number 29. It says they were being filled with all unrighteousness in First Corinthians chapter number 6. It says the unrighteous. Uh, also here it says fornication. Uh, in First Corinthians chapter number 6, it says the fornicator. In uh, our text here, it says they are filled with covetousness. In First Corinthians chapter number 6, it says that the covetous, those that are. And so the difference is First Corinthians chapter 6 is dealing with the people that commit these sins. They are fornicators. They are covetous. They, they are filled with those things. They are unrighteous. Now, in Romans chapter number 1, it says that they are filled with these things. This is what they are doing. He is no longer talking about the people, but the acts that they are doing. And so, uh, we look now in our list again, starting in verse 29, and we're going to try to go in order of appearance. Here, there are 23 different sins listed. In all of our four uh, books that we'll look at, there are 56. And so there's many, many, many to go through uh, in this. And if there are duplicates, they are not in that number. We've combined all of those. So 56 individual sins that God calls out through the pen of the Apostle Paul. So y'all ready to get started? Say amen. All right, number one, we look, now remember we dealt with unrighteousness last week, we dealt with fornication, and we dealt with covetousness. So we skipped wickedness, so we're going to start on wickedness tonight. Uh, this is the, um, the, the, there's several ways that we can define it, but wickedness is depravity or corruption. Uh, one writer, I believe it was Webster, he said that they were destitute of holiness, there was no shadow of holiness being in them. It was not found in them. And so the Apostle Paul here writing uh, to this young church at Rome, uh, but also dealing with kind of the history of men here, he says that they have rejected God. You can read that in verse number 18 down through verse number 28. And you can see that they've rejected God, the things of God. And now God is filling them. He's allowed them to be filled because He turned them over to a reprobate mind. He says now they are filled with corruption. And if you remember the illustration that I had with the cup and the water there was no room left in that cup of water for anything else. And that is the idea here of wickedness, that they are so filled with wickedness that there is no room for holiness in their life. Uh, evil purposes or desires. In other words, uh, wickedness is one that plots to do wrong. Jesus dealt with this in His day in Matthew chapter number 22, verse number 18. It says, But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye uh, me, ye hypocrites? Well, you say, well, I don't understand. Yeah, Jesus knew their hearts. Well, verse 15 says, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle Him in His talk. So what did Jesus do in verse number 18? He perceived their thoughts of wickedness 
and said, Why do you tempt me, ye hypocrites? So even Jesus dealt with these religious folks. And don't get fooled by religious uh, folks or by religion. It will uh, often... If not always, it will lead you astray. Somebody help me right there. I believe it was Jude that talks about pure religion, and that's that's entirely different than what we see in our lives today. I believe pure religion is Holy Ghost salvation. Somebody help me and say amen right there. Uh, but Jesus faced this, and He knew that there was wickedness. He knew that they were plotting to do wrong. They were filled with with unholiness or corruption. Now I'm going to kind of go kind of fast. Next we see in our line of sins here, unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous. Now we're on track and it says maliciousness. This word malicious, I love it when a dictionary defines a word with the same word. Don't you? Isn't that a blessing? So I looked up maliciousness and it is malignity. Well, the only time that I, that I think of malignity or malignant is, um, by way of cancer or maybe a tumor or disease or something along those lines. So let me define malignity before we go a little bit further. It is extreme enmity or being an enemy with someone or something. Remember, our, our verse 29 says they are being filled with all. Now we get to maliciousness. They are filled with extreme hatred to someone. That's what this word malicious means. It has uh, th- these folks that are malicious, they have destructive tendencies as a cancer or a disease. If a cancer is uh, a malignant, what does that mean? Somebody help me. It's cancerous. Is it bad or is benign bad? It's bad. Benign means it's it's staying in its little shell. It's doing it's not going to majorly hurt you. But if it's malignant, that means that it may begin to spread. And the reason it spreads, brother Jody, I'm sure you've just this is fresh. You've just dealt with this. The reason they've done these scans and the reason they've done these biopsies is because this cancer that Miss Kim had was malignant. It would spread to other organs. It could metastasize to the brain or to the lungs or to the heart or anywhere else. And it can get, and, and I'm telling you, God's, God's design of the human body is awesome. Uh, but these malignant things that design, that, that uh, bring about harm to us, they take advantage of those things. So God put these things called lymph nodes within us that that stir our blood and and uh, make good night of living. I'm going to have to quit messing with Braylon and Ashland science, mainly Braylon's, because I don't know if I'm smart enough to do Ashland's. But when it starts talking about those those diseases being filtered through the body and how God uses different things, and so here we find that a malicious person, someone that is filled with maliciousness, they have a intent, a tendency to be destructive. Several years ago, there was a there was a statement that was made over and over again about removing toxic people from your life. I don't know if that's still a um, a phrase that people uses or not, but it's still pretty good. This these toxic people in your life. Um, they will, 
they will destruct you. They will have a destructive outcome on your life. You say, well, I think I'm strong enough in my faith. If you say that, you are not. I'm going to say that one more time because y'all didn't get it. If you say, I think my faith is strong enough to overcome any influence that they have, your faith is not strong enough. You, you, you need to, you need to remove those toxic people, those, those relationships, those males, those females, whoever it is. You need to remove those from your life because it could be that they are, they may not be turned over to a reprobate mind, but they are filled with maliciousness. That's why they are toxic and they will begin to infiltrate your own soul. Just like um, was it Peter talked about Lot. He said righteous or he said just Lot vexed his righteous soul. How did he do that? He, he just he surrounded himself by wicked people. Woo. So maliciousness, it, it is malignity or extreme enmity. Uh, they have destructive tendencies. But it also is ill will. and kind of goes along with destructive tendencies. Uh, ill will is wickedness, if you remember our definition of wickedness, depravity, corruption, evil purposes and desires. It, so this ill will of the malicious person it is wickedness that is not ashamed to break laws or to cause harm. They are malicious. That cancer in someone's body that is malignant, it is. It, it does not care who they are. It does not care what their bank account says. It does not care how much they read their Bible or how little. It has destructive tendencies and it is... It is designed to have ill will. It is designed to cause harm. That's a whole nother study right there. Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? I guarantee you we've asked ourselves that before. Number three tonight. We see full of envy. Let's look at our, our verse 29. They've now been turned over in verse 28 to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, and full of envy. So now we come to this idea of envy, and we all we all remember maybe our parents or someone would talk about envy or greed, that green-eyed monster of envy. Here it says full of envy. And I'm going to say some things that's going to sound redundant, but I'm getting somewhere. It is uh, the most basic definition. It is they are completely filled with envy. Okay, so let's take one one phrase at a time. There are two phrases. Two. There's a word and there's a phrase. There's full and then there's the phrase of envy. Full of envy is to be completely filled. Now you remember in verse number twenty nine it says being filled. And uh, one writer by the name of Kenneth Woost, he says, This is a past completed action having present results. They were filled with the consequences of these sins. 
Because they rejected the creation of God, because they rejected the gospel of God in verse 16, because they took upon themselves the, the creator themselves, you remember they, um, they did not uh, honor the creator, but they made idols themselves of animals and birds. Verse number uh, 25, I believe it is, it says they worship the creature more than the creator. And so Kenneth Woost said that um, this being filled, it is the past completed actions. They made decisions in verse number 18 down through verse number 27. They made decisions and now they are receiving their results in the present. He goes on and he says that they are now filled with the consequences of those actions by these sins. By these things. Marvin Vincent said that this word full, it means to be properly stuffed. It is to be consumed. So that's the word full. To be properly stuffed or completely filled with envy. Envy is little more than just jealousy. Envy is spite. Envious seeing someone drive up in a new vehicle and taking your car keys of your old junker and keying the side of it. That's what envy is. Brother Terry is laughing. I don't know if he's ever done that or if he's ever received that. I'm not real sure. Being full, being properly stuffed with jealousy. Again, verse 29 starts with being filled and now it says they are full of envy. And so there is no room for anything holy in their life. They are full with wanting someone else's possession. That goes back to covetousness. So much that they despise the person that has that possession or that person. Y'all help me right here. Or that joy or those tears or that voice or that talent. Or that charisma. They are full of envy. I, 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 I want to I end with this conclusion tonight. We need to remember that verse number 29. I've reminded you this several times. But verse 29 begins with being filled. And this, this is a result of God's judgment. Um, from the previous verses. Especially verse 28. When he gives them over. I told you at the very onset of the message that twice in verse 24 and in verse 26, God gave them up. Notice with me, it says God gave them in verse 24, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart. Verse 26, for this cause, cause God gave them up unto vile affections. But now they are given over to a reprobate mind. And so... As God is giving them up, or rather over in verse 28, He offers them grace in verse 24 and in verse 26 by giving them up. But I believe if we were to go back to verse number 16, we can honestly see that it is here and on Calvary that God says, before I give you up and eventually over, I want you to know that I will give up my own self. Notice verse 16, for I am not ashamed, Paul says, 
of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So before there was a gospel of Christ in verse number 16, uh, there was a hill called Calvary. And on that hill, Christ gave up His life. He freely laid down His life. He gave up His place in heaven. He gave up the ghost on the cross. And so this evening, I hope that none of us have found ourselves in verse 28. And uh, certainly I hope none of us find ourselves in verse 29, verse number 30, verse number 31, or verse number 32. Because once you reach verse number 28, I believe that that is the point where it is too late. It is the point where you have, you have detracted from God and you have, uh, you have amassed on yourself so much wickedness that God finally says, I'm done. I'm giving you up twice. Now I'm giving you over to a reprobate mind. And if you find yourself there, then I would honestly, before I do anything else, I would pray for mercy on my soul. We get to this point, um, I firmly believe he's speaking to sinners. He's speaking about sinners here. I don't believe he's talking about Christians here. Though, uh, Brother Jody, where was it that we talked a few weeks ago in Bible study uh, that... Uh, Oh, where was it that um, the Lord said that they they had their conscience seared, as it were, with a hot iron? And I believe that is speaking about Christians. And I think Christians can turn their backs on God, and they can walk away from God, and they can separate themselves from God. And that Scripture, if somebody wants to shout it out to me where it is, we'll read it. Alrighty then. And we see that he is speaking to the people of God. And the result of separating themselves from God is their conscience is seared with a hot iron. And so that we leave you tonight with, with those thoughts of what is sin. This is part six of the entire thing. And we're just taking it easy, taking it slow. And uh, But I, I tell you, we need to know what sin is. We need to know what sin is because remember our original text verse in chapter number 4, verse 17 of the book of James. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So this verse says, you know to do good and you don't do it. Well, not doing good, you have sinned. So to put it in context with our lesson is, if we know what sin is then we can abstain from those sins and stay right with God. And so there we have tonight's message. Let's stand this evening.